You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It is Tuesday. I am in Los Angeles, California because tonight, Tuesday, even though it's Monday here, no big deal. Um, tonight I am on Jimmy Kimmel Live. I'm not just on it, I am guest hosting it, which I can't even believe is something I get to do. And um, for the first time ever with something really, really big, I'm feeling completely relaxed about it. Um, confident, excited. Uh, if you haven't seen like people guest hosting for him the past couple weeks, um, it's like in a house, you're alone with, like you do your monologue literally alone in a room with one guy with one camera. And so honestly, the pressure is kind of off because there's no audience that can tell me if I'm not doing well. And all the jokes are so funny. And I feel like it's, I'm just really, really, I worked on it really hard and it was really hard to make choices about what jokes to do because I wrote, it was good though, because I wrote like 20 new minutes of material about my life right now and um, just like different jokes about quarantine and like kind of my perspective on it which I'm sure you guys have heard me kind of work out through this podcast but I had to whittle it down to only three minutes of jokes and then I have like a three minute uh piece that I shot where um you'll see it's and, and it's the thing I shot the other day that I was talking about that I was so nervous about that actually went really well and there's a celebrity cameo in it and then I'm also the, the thing I'm nervous about tomorrow is not so much doing the show which it's tonight sorry tonight Tuesday by the time you're listening to this I'm either getting ready for it shooting it or already done in which case yes but today is the day before and I'm kind of like I'm like I said I'm really not that worried about it it's just in good shape you know there's nothing else I can really do to make it better and that's always a really good feeling try to get a spray tan today um and they're all closed, which feels good because it's like, I can't. It's kind of like my joke that I had in my special banging about um, I like bondage porn because you get tied up and like you you can't do anything to the guy. So it's like, I would, but I can't. And that's what I feel like quarantine is. It's just like forced laziness. I would go get a spray tan. I would get my nails done, but I can't. So now I like don't have to do those things. I'm just going to paint my nails with some shit that I bought at CVS guess what no one will know the difference and then I'm gonna spray tan with like I'm just gonna I told my I just texted my makeup artist so relatable I just texted my makeup artist um just like bring some paint for my body so I'm just gonna paint myself and also I don't really give a fuck about looking tan on tv as much anymore this quarantine has really changed my perspective about that stuff so I am nervous about getting my hair done and um, because I just like don't want someone touching my hair. And although the woman doing my hair I've worked with for like almost years now and she's so gentle and never says anything mean and is never like, oh my God, your hair's so thin or like um, you, there's really a lot of breakage back here. If you're a hairstylist and you ever say anything like that to any of your clients, go quit your job and like find a new profession because no one ever wants to know the truth. Um, so she's always very nice. I don't even know what I'm worried about. And my hair looks actually pretty good. Um, I'm accepting it. I'm feeling good about it. Um, I talked to my friends this past weekend in Arkansas about my struggles with it and 
God, it's so nice to just get something off your. I mean, I've been talking to you guys about how my, my hair is like falling out, and I'm so sad. And I honestly just don't think it's any different than the normal amount you lose in a day. Because I started having my friends like counting their hairs. You heard on the episode yesterday. Anyway, it was really nice to share with them. Um, I want to make. I want to like tell you guys what happened after. <laughs> the, okay, so. There was a lot that happened after we left Arkansas. Um, I decided to leave on Saturday night because I was flying to LA on Sunday. And I just didn't, we were supposed to leave early Sunday morning. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be in three. I don't want to drive for five hours, pack, get on a flight for five hours. You know, not four or five hours, but, you know, traveling when you add you know, arriving at the airport to leaving an airport. It's usually tacked on two hours to your journey. So three and a half hour flight plus two hours, five and a half hours, five and a half. It would have been a long ass day. And I've done that kind of shit before and it's fine. And it's not like I had anything to do when I landed. Um, but I'm really glad I didn't do that because my flight was delayed. It I didn't get into LA last night until super, super late. That's a whole other story for you that I cannot wait to tell you. Um, but I'm going to stick to now just telling you about when I was leaving Arkansas. So as you heard on the last episode with my friends, Kirsten, Hala, and my sister, Lauren, the roads getting into this place were treacherous. My sister's car couldn't even make it up the driveway. We had to park at the end of the driveway, da, 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 da. So every time we left to go do something, we'd have to move my sister's car because it was blocking the end of the driveway. My sister would pull out, pull back up, pull out, pull back up, right? She was great at doing this. Then on the way when we're leaving, I was like, Lauren, I really want to drive because so this is Saturday, 4 p.m. We're going to get home at like 11, right? Because we we take our time on the road, we make a lot of P stops, Starbucks, whatever. Um, Drive the speed limit. You get it. So I was like, Lauren, I really want to drive because I hate two lane highways, right? Already covered that. So and, and on the way out of Arkansas, it's like all two lane highways and I just need to be in control. So she was like, that's fine. So I bet. So we we hug holla hug Kirsten goodbye like nearly tears because we just love each other so much and we had the best time and we're like god when is the next time we're gonna do this you know those kind of goodbyes I'm backing out Kirsten is like grinding in the driveway like just doing some sexy dance like lifting up her dress and Holla's like waving and they're just kind of walking away and like we're like bye honking you know like the whole thing I pull out I back up like five feet and they start being like, no, 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 cut it, cut it. You're going the wrong way. And I drive, bottom line, I drive into a ditch. Like gravel, get it gets out of control. I looked at the rear view mirror. Like there's no excuse for what I did. I tried my best. I wasn't trying to be reckless. I wasn't trying to be funny driving. I was, I was, I was doing my best is all I have to say because I drove into a ditch and I, and my sister was very upset with me <laughs> and it kept getting worse. I kept trying to get out of it and I was falling deeper and deeper and it was like, Oh no. Oh no. Got out of the car. Friend, tr Laura tried to get in. Holla tried to get in and get it out. Got deeper in. She did better than me. We went and got towels to give the car try or some traction. Fucked up the, you know, Airbnb's towels. It was a nightmare. My, we called the tow truck. My sister's like freaking out because the car's like, the axle is like maybe broken the tire looks deflated because it's so um, deep in the gravel that it looked like it had deflated. My sister's like nearly crying. Um, she's like, why didn't you let me drive? You know, the whole thing. We're having that like panicky moment. 
And I'm trying to just rub her back and like calm her down while also calming myself down, being like, it's not that big of a deal. No one's dead. I'll buy you a new car. If I fucked up your car, I will literally buy you a new car. It's I'm not worried about it. Um, everything will be fine. We actually are leaving a day early. Every so we have time. Just trying to like breathe. I literally started praying. I'm like just praying to God, like clasping my hands together and praying as my, as Hala's trying to get the car out that like there's some miracle even though it's very clear the car is not getting out so then we eventually go up to the road we flag down a woman who goes and gets her um husband and then her friend's husband and these two guys and they're like yeah I would say mid to late 60s come up uh, maybe that's insulting to Kathy and, and the crew I don't really know how old people are they looked great I gotta say the the ladies are in great shape the men the men too I mean uh, these heroes came up in a car these two men were so understanding, so helpful, so sweet, helped us um, like try to get the car out a little bit more. The guys are sitting on the hood of the car to give it more pressure up there, pushing from the back. I mean, it was a group effort and it was so just sweet and kind that they all like stopped their happy hour to come up and help us, but they couldn't get it out. And it was just a dire situation. So the tow company that we called beforehand and we called off because we thought Kathy and her crew were going to get us out. So we had called a tow truck, but he was, you know, hours away. So we called him off prematurely because we thought Kathy and crew could get us out. They couldn't. We called the tow truck guy back. I, I d- decided to call him this time because I'm like, I got to do a little negotiating. So I just said to him, dude, I'm sorry. We need you again. Like we over, we underestimated like the kind of power we need. We need you. And he's like, well, I'm driving to Missouri right now, and so I'm going to be an hour there at least, and blah, blah, blah. And I don't even know if this guy knows how to get to this house. I'm like, fuck, we are not going to get out of here for a few hours. At least I need this guy here now. So I did a shitty thing for anyone else who was waiting for this guy to show up to him. And I said, I will pay you an extra $500 from whatever anyone else, for whatever it's going to cost, if you postpone those other ones and get here as quick as you can and he was like I'll be right there and I was like yeah money fucking talks dude god I'm so grateful that I was able to do it but it was in bottom line if you have money you shake it around you get ahead of other people and it's a shitty thing but it's why I fucking want money for shit like that that's all I want money for it's just get I mean that's why anyone wants money I'm like I don't know why I'm acting like well, no, some people want money to help others. And th- by the way, I did want to help this guy because I didn't need to offer him 500. I could have said two and he would have been glad. He could have been glad with one. But I went five because I'm like, this fucking guy, he can cancel the rest of his day. It, it'll, it's just a nice gesture to just give a lot more than like I like leaving huge tips instead of like great tips. It just feels better to me. It's all selfish. Anyway, this guy shows up and it was like erotic. Can I play you a clip of him pulling the car out? Because I need you to hear how I felt. And I couldn't post this on my Instagram because it was just kind of too dirty. But this is him um, getting the car out. And it literally, he just hooked it up to the tire with a um, wench. Which is, by the way, wench was referenced on the podcast yesterday. That was the first time I'd ever heard wench, wench, wench. And then I heard it again this t- twice in one day, and I had never heard the word a day in my life before. So here's him with the wench. Literally, if he gets this thing out, I'm going to blow him. I- I'm going to have to. Literally, sir, you are signing up for a big old, big old beach. 
Oh my God, this is so hot. Okay, it was like erotic. The car was just easily coming out. When you spend so long as four helpless women, plus two other women, plus two other men, trying to get a car out and it's just getting worse and worse. And then this guy just comes along, straps something to a tire. And then within three minutes, the car is being just picked up like it's uh, just a, a aluminum can gently out of the the ditch. It was it, the release. I was like, it's f- seriously, I'm getting turned on. So the guy was really nice. I gave him I gave him the money and um, and then we were on our way. And, the, and and while he was leaving, my friend was like, she's going to be on Kim. She's hosting Kimmel on Tuesday because I like to give that gift to people of like, think, man, if I was like a guy in a small town and someone that was going to be on TV in three nights from now was like, I, I was interacting with, I would want to know that. I'm not like, I don't like to tell people who I am or whatever, because I'm like, I want the attention. I mean, maybe it's 10% of that, but it's 90% of like, Oh, that's like cool for them. They get to tell their friends. Like it's like a little bit of a thing. So I told him that, or they told him, my friend told him that. And I was more than happy to be like, yeah, check it out. Tuesday night, Jimmy come alive. Um, and then he was like, I'll find you on Facebook. I'm like, I'm not on Facebook and we're not going to be talking. But then he started texting me and um, he was very nice. So shout out to, um, God, I forget his name already. What did he say? Hold on. I just want to see what he said. Have to say something about the towing service in Eureka that helped you on your TV show, LOL, is what he told me. So this is me saying it. It's not on my TV show, but it is on my podcast. Thank you, J&J Towing. I think that's the name of it. In Eureka Springs. Use them for all your towing needs. God, it was awesome. So um, for you on the podcast today, it's a very touching episode, the latter half, more than half. Um, I actually decided to sit down with my friend Hala, who you met yesterday on the show, and talk to her about um, her bipolar uh, disorder and diagnosis and the whole journey because it kind of all happened um you know before we I was friends with her well before that was ever a thing we also talked about my eating disorder and got her perspective on that um I had to be kind of a stone cold journalistic bitch during that not a bitch but like it got emotional and I took my emotions and put them in a little envelope a little manila envelope when I saw her tearing up and I sealed them away and I put them in my pocket and then it was too bulgy in my pocket. So then I put them in a backpack, in a backpack that I then donated to Goodwill and forgot about. So I'll never have to drudge those feelings up again. Um, so that's kind of what I did during this interview with my be- one of my best friends um, of all time, Hala. Uh, so coming up, I talked to her and I think you'll get something a lot out of it. And I hope you send it to anyone who might be struggling with bipolar or have struggled with it in the past or anything. I don't know. I think it's really good. I, I was really proud of her and um, and myself because, uh, yeah, we shared a lot and I hope it helps someone. So watch me on Kimmel tonight and enjoy this interview with my friend um, Hala in Eureka Springs, Missouri. J&J Tone, never forget them. Winch. Hey, guys, I'm here uh, back again with my friend Hala, who I've known since fifth grade. We met in Mrs. Groh's class, and my only friend up until that point, my best friend was Kirsten, who you already met. Um, 
and then but I needed more friends I needed more than just Kirsten even though it was just me and Kirsten for a whole year and it was blissful and I had found my very best friend then another girl came into the mix how did we first meet I feel like on the bus or some shit oh I don't I don't remember meeting you Okay, well, that's uh, it's nice having you on the show, but I um, we have to go. I'm gonna talk to someone who does remember how. I told my I asked my mom recently. I was like, "Will you tell me about my life like up until fifth grade?" Like, I mean, I have no memories of my entire life. So I was asking my mom, like, "Who was I friends with?" I don't remember any of my friends, literally up until you and Kirsten. Like, well, that's nice. That was your awakening for when you started having a memory. Yeah, you maybe you didn't have friends before then. Is that a possibility? No, I that's that's what I was. I was like, mom, I don't think I had friends. Like, I think a lot of people don't. I was in like brownies or whatever, and like, you know, but I don't feel like I had like good friends until yeah. I didn't have good friends until you and Kirsten. Well, I remember when you you made the first move for our friendship because when you were we were in f- fifth grade, like we were friends in class, but like it, you know what it takes to hang outside of class. It takes telling your parents about the friend having your parents call the parents of the friend and then like from the buzz book as a lot of I'm sure people had different names for it but we had buzz books and um and but that's what it took so I remember when you called my mom we got asked if I was gonna go to your farm and it was one like weekend you were going to the farm for like the night and you were it was like an hour or so outside of St. Louis right you guys had like a farm house and I remember being like I'm gonna stay away at a new girl's house it honestly reminds me of like what dating is now of like being asked out on a date where you're like we'll see how this goes like I had the same anxieties as a kid about making new friends but you made the first move and then one night um one night in what what town was that Labadee Missouri one night in Labadee was all I needed to know that we would be friends for life and we only have been we only had one like gap yeah I'm saying it like an Australian a gap yeah the gap yeah when we weren't friends was it a whole because you worked at the gap and I worked at Old Navy and we just could it, we were rivals back then even though we were owned by the same company um no we yeah we we were like one year when we weren't friends and then we went to of course like so I went to call we were friends all through high school fifth grade to high school went to college then um weren't friends a year and two years in college because it took me like two years to get to KU for one year to get to KU then when I was at KU the first year I was just friends with Kirsten not you because I had to choose sides then we were friends junior year and on and I remember like I I remember one night I was like sitting I was in my bedroom on Vermont Street in Lawrence Kansas and I like get a phone call on my flip phone and this like number came up. You called me from a different number. I think you didn't think if I saw your phone number that I would like pick up. And so I like answered the phone. I was like, I star sixty seven you. You did. So no caller ID. That was back in the day. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But I I probably did. I probably maybe called you from like a Latin cafe where I was working. Oh, maybe yeah. I thought you like borrowed a phone or something. And I called you. I yeah. never call anyone. I didn't text you. No, you called me and you're like. I was like, hello, and you're like, hey, hello, it's Nikki. And I could like there were like some nerves there. And you were like, I just, I want to be friends again. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I thought you were mad at me. There was like a whole falling out. Yeah, because we didn't talk for a year, but um, because of just uh, other bullshit. But it wasn't like we were ever mad at each other. I just had to choose a side in a matter between you and someone else. And I chose the other person. Well, Kirsten, yeah, I chose Kirsten. But um, but then I, I don't know what spurred me being like, I just want to be friends again. But I think I was just... Mm, just saw that you were having fun on Facebook. I bet Facebook came out and I was like, that looks fun. I want to get back in there. Cause you had like your own group of friends by then, which you then brought me into. Right. Yeah. And, and we reunited. Oh, do you remember our reunition? Yeah. I just, 
Yes, our reunion happened. Um, we were seeing Gothica at the the um, you know the union. The student union would screen like movies that were freshly out of theaters, and Gothica was showing with Halle Berry. And you came and met me there, and like walked down the aisle. Your dad was leading you like you were getting married, <laughs> and uh, and there was a woman singing an aria. No, but uh, yeah, and then we met there, and then we were friends ever since. And then like after college, we like. Like I moved to LA, you stayed in Kansas for a bit. I, I mean, we kind of just as you do, and after you move to different cities, you like lose touch, but you're always like in touch. Right. Magazine, we were yeah. still sharing a subscription. Yeah. Um, so then, but then, like the wild thing that happened with you, and can I just get into it? Yeah. Yeah, the thing that happened with you, but, well, because I went through an eating disorder, it was like the first probably mental illness that our group of friendships saw. Yes. I mean, before then, was anyone exhibiting anything? I don't think so. I mean, well, was that after? Well, you had no friends before me, so we yeah, can't really go to you for any yeah. help here. <laughs> no, but like your eating disorder was toward the end of senior year. So I yes. Like that was after everything happened with David and like Kirsten. Yeah, our friend killing himself. Yeah. And so Kirsten, that year just like, that year was horrible. September 11th. Yeah. Everything about that year was horrible. And then. and Insync's and- second album. No, I don't know. I was just trying to come up with another thing. Uh yeah, I got nothing. I'm not. I'm, this podcast is gonna be boring. I apologize to your viewer. You're, you're, no, I'm. I'm here delivering the mediocre comedy in between the facts. You give the jokes. I'll just chat. So, but I remember like we had to like sit you down and like have a confrontation about your eating disorder, and then you like weren't ready to hear it. Right? Yeah, dude. That like didn't was I just uh, sure, I just didn't want to get caught. I didn't want to get busted for the thing that I thought no one noticed, and I didn't know how to stop. So that wasn't going to be an option. So I can't. Whatever you guys want from me, I can't give you. You're mad at me about it. I feel like I'm ruining all of our friendships. Everyone's worried about me. It feels awkward. And then yeah, when you guys try to get help, it's just like, fuck you. Yeah, it was. I mean, and and I'm sure our execution wasn't good. Again, like, no, I didn't know. We didn't know anything. We had no knowledge base. And I feel like I still don't. Like, I feel like you learn and you try to do better and you're always doing the best that you can. But it's never like it's not easy to talk to someone about the hard stuff. But I feel like that was our first moment of like breaking the ice to be like, Okay, you, I mean, we all needed help. We all, well, we were just talking about it earlier. Like how many of us have people in our lives that have an alcohol problem and we know they do because they drink every single fucking night and their world kind of revolves around it and their world is getting smaller and smaller. Or if you have a friend that has um, an, an eating problem and it's there, you see them isolating. Well, no, you don't even notice anymore because we're not hanging out with our friends. But you, so many of us see our friends going through something terrible and it's so awkward to bring up. And we are so scared that they'll like hate us if we try to get them help that we don't. So it's honestly very brave for anyone to confront anyone about an issue. So like I look back and I'm like grateful that my friends cared. And at the time it was just like they're just jealous or like they're they don't they want you to be fat. It wasn't like they were jealous. They want you to be fat so you'll stay the way you are and be like the like not as cool or as like whatever it was. I don't know. I had a million reasons. But um, I remember like I remember thinking cool I'm gonna be the friend to like cry on this podcast which is fine with me but oh everyone I've cried on this podcast a million times I remember thinking like I David already died and I'm seeing what that did to Kirsten and I can't yeah our best friend was like really really close with David and um linked into his suicide in a just an awful way and so we were that would happen in November of our senior year and then March I was like 
caught anorexia and was like dying by like June. So you guys were well, but what I was gonna say is I remember thinking like. I can't like I thought you were gonna die I was sure you were gonna die and I thought if she dies I don't I can't feel like I'm leaving anything out and so I called your mom and I was like Julie like something like Nikki needs help like you need to know that this you probably called and I was like hey Holla what's up and you're like um can I talk to Mrs. Glazer <laughs> I'd be like what yeah I don't remember the actual conversation but we like I had the conversation and then I don't think I've ever told you this that summer I was driving back I went with my family up to Michigan and I was driving home and I said to my mom like if Nikki dies Will you come to KU? Will you come to KU and tell me in person? Because I can't get that phone call. It's not like I was like, we were like all just like holding so much. And yeah, then we just had to like pack up and go to college and like, oh, the best four years of your life. Yeah. College is going to be awesome. And yeah. we, we just had to like leave and like put all of that away. And anyway, so that was, well, that, well, I really appreciate you saying that and yeah. like well, feeling that way at the time and crying. And I'm the only reason I'm not crying is because if I start, I just like will never stop. So I'm just like holding it in. But like, that's really touching to me because I, because you know what it validates is that I was so sick because I talk about a lot about my anorexia and it's like sometimes I feel like we get it you had an eating disorder shut up so many people do but I seriously I want people to I I don't know why I want to be understood that like no I was dead I was dead like I was like you know those people that have stories of like I died and came back to life it's like I was dead like it was RIP me like no escape and like for you to know that because going off to school like was the dumbest thing ever I could have done I was so sick and then I just went off with no help alone yeah and like to a new state by yourself like so anyway yes that was the first that was the first time your mom's like can I please just call you if she dies like that's a four and a half hour drive and I, I think that I can communicate it over the phone I'll like I'll just I'll do the classic Laura are you sitting down that's that's the classic yeah. I once wrote a sketch where a guy calls a girl to be like are you sitting down for the, I, I need you to sit down for this or like a, a guy comes over to a girl's place and she's like John I need you to sit down he's like are you breaking up with me? And she's like, no, this couch is just like really comfortable and I just like need you to see it. And then she's like, listen, you mean more to me than anyone in the world. And he's like, you're breaking up with me. She's like, no, I'm just like telling you how I feel right now. Like he, he just got like the things you say to people to brace. Yeah, break it, like not breaking the ice, but yeah, to brace their impact. Yes. Yeah. So then our second dash into mental illness within our friendships me. was me. you. <laughs> yeah, because then you almost freaking died are like uh, f- the, the year after we graduated college I was living in LA when it I think first broke um but you have you say what what do you have um I'm diagnosed with bipolar disorder bipolar one two a b c one the one all of the above and a one and a two I don't honestly I don't even know the one that's like crazy psychosis where you're out of your mind like um I had mania and depression but my mania was like I thought I was communicating with God and was like getting signs and it was and I and also a lot of dissociation like feeling out of my body mm-hmm. and yeah feeling out of your body in what way what does that mean um like not connected to the moment not like I don't I can't even explain it like just I don't even I can't even explain it like be uh if you would, if you know it, you know it. Yeah, if you know it, you know it. Like, but feeling like you're not like you're watching because you can't see your body, but like, I yeah, I don't yeah. If you know that you're like in an aquarium, like you feel like you're in an aquarium. I don't know what that means, and that like you're watching yourself in an aquarium. I don't know why I thought of that. 
No, it's not that you're walking. You're like, yes, that's exactly it. Moving on. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, captures it. Oh, that medical reasoning for dissociation. Aquarium. Aquarium swim. Um, okay, so but how did this thing? How did it start? Like what? Because I remember the the only early signs I saw was when we smoked weed in Ugh. middle school. You would like freak out more than other people, and then in high school and college. I don't feel I don't feel like I smoked weed in middle school. Did I? Maybe not middle. I guess high school is when we started. I don't even know if I did that. I don't know. But regardless, um, I would just get really really paranoid and freak out. And no, cannot cannot smoke weed. Um, what were some bad instances? Do you remember any times where you were like, whoa, what just happened? Because it was you would have different reactions than most people when they smoke weed. Well, I remember one time, like, uh, my friend Brian came over to the house and, like, knocked on the door. And, like, immediately I thought the cops were there. And I looked out and I feel like I saw it was Brian, but then I thought he was the cops. Like, just, like, extreme paranoia. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, you know, accidentally ate ten times the amount of edibles yeah. kind of paranoia that people have. But you would get it from... But I think people, but I also think people get that. Like, I don't, yes. I can't say that, like, um, that means you're bipolar if right. you get that way. Right, 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 right. So if you're high right now listening to this and you think, the, like, don't worry, you're probably, you're, you're probably fine. And if you're, have bipolar right now and she all of a sudden starts talking to you through the podcast and you're having a manic oh. episode, she's not talking oh to you. I just want to promise oh, you. That's so, oh no, that's, no, I'm just sitting here, I'm, this is just my, I'm just going to talk about my experience. This is me and. I was making a joke, but seriously, like people with bipolar, like if you, that's what I worry about sometimes when I talk to people like, hey friends and like, hey, like you out there, like sometimes I like to make it very specific and I'm like, oh my God, if I get it too specific, it's going to make someone with bipolar disorder like think that there's something here that's not. But the problem is you'll find it anywhere. I found like if you're having a manic episode, no one needs to bring something to your doorstep that's coincidental that's going to make you go off on a weird thing. Like you'll find it. Yeah. Like I remember in like Psych 101, um, the guy was at your room at the ward you were at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the guy in my psych class was like, you might resonate with these things, but like, don't try to self-diagnose. And honestly, I, looking back on it, I kind of wish that I had, like, I would have known sooner, but like you said, you're going to find out, like, I don't know. So I was just really reckless. Like I would, I was saying last night, like I would like ride my bike into traffic, like no helmet, like into traffic and like try to dodge cars. I was so kit. I was like playing chicken with cars on my bike. I keep trying to bring kit into the podcast. I hope you guys are loving kit. Um, but yeah, I just... I just did really reckless things and I like spend a ton of money on stupid stuff. When I finally went into the hospital, I remember like being mortified. Like I had enough awareness to know that I needed help. We can go into that and we will get there, but I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I remember my dad like clean, clean my room for me and like found like super sobers. I bought weird, stupid stuff. Why would I buy? You would just latch onto an idea and like take it so far and get very excited about it, which I relate to. Like, I feel like it's a lot of how things get done for me is I go through little manic episodes of being like and we're gonna do this and this and this and I put all these things into action and then mm-hmm. oh my god suddenly I have to make this TV show that I planned in a man in a semi-manic state so you would do the you get these ideas the first time I saw it I was living in LA and I was doing some like live internet show that wasn't really a big deal but I was like holla look at watch it like it'll be live on TV and you were like then we're gonna call in and I'm gonna do this I'm gonna make a poster and you like had this grandiose plan and I was like yeah. it was just a little red flag but then that was like shortly after is when I think shit hit the fan yeah, and honestly, like, I kind of, I don't know that I blacked it out or I was, like, so psychotic that it all felt normal to me, but I don't know. I don't remember any friends being like, what is going on? I'm sure, I know they were all, like, talking. No, they were doing it behind your back. Yeah, everyone was talking about it, like, oh, my God. Um, That's the thing. We don't confront each other because it's so scary to be like, I'm worried about you. Yeah. And I don't, like, I can't blame my friends, you know? Like, I, I mean, Caitlin, my roommate at the time, I and my best friend, like, I can't imagine 
the things that she saw because I don't remember. And you were always like, Holla's crazy. Holla do this. And there was a lot of drinking in college and like around this time where it's like you could be like, oh, that was just like a drunken, stupid thing you did. Sure. Right. And so, um, yeah, I don't know what people saw but I knew the things that were going on in my head like this paranoia it started happening like outside of and I like I stopped smoking I didn't smoke weed like you you know yeah, you saw that it made how it made you feel right and so I but I was having these thoughts like outside of anything and um then someone so I stayed in Lawrence an extra year and like I worked I was teaching at the time and the what my co-teacher like came to me and said something and said like I feel like you need to get help something's going on and I got so defensive and like yelled at her like I'm fine and I don't know I don't even know what that means either I don't know how like what I don't know if I don't think I yelled at her I think I was just like I'm okay and like left but I went home and like sobbed because I knew she was right I was like oh my gosh I need help and that was the day like Caitlin drove me to Kansas City because I felt like it was bigger than me needing help. Did you ask for help? Like what? Yeah. And so after, shortly after that teacher talked to you, you you told Caitlin drive me to Kansas City. I need to go to the hospital. I went home and I was still kind of in denial. I was like, but What were you doing? That was weird. Like, what did the teacher cite? She didn't really like, or I don't remember. Like, I I know I was like, I was really into um having making posters in our classroom and I was like cutting up magazines and like finding like making weird I was just making stuff and I wanted the kids to like be able to see these things that I made but I I was overexerting and like putting way too much time into these were you talking to Jesus yet and stuff like that were you having that stuff yeah no this all lasted for like a year it was a year of that but did you know obviously did you, you know, what when you started hearing from Jesus and thinking you were God or stuff like that did, were you like oh this is a weird or you were like I'm right I thought I was right but I also I don't even like again this is one of those things like it's hard to explain if you don't understand but I I I had I knew it was like a little off I was like I shouldn't be thinking this but this is so real to me yeah and then um but I, but also, I was so scared to get help because I thought that I had like schizophrenia or something, and I thought I was going to get like locked in a psych ward. I thought my life as I knew it was over, and it was. It really was. Um, because you did go to a psych ward. Yeah, and my life has never been the same. Now it's so much better. Um, but at the time, I was like, oh, I, like I'm going to spend. I thought I was going to be institutionalized. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life like in one floor of the cuckoo's nest, and some guy was going to like throw. What did the guy throw at the end? And they're like free. Oh gosh, I just that was such a spoiler. I'm sorry if you haven't you haven't seen Cuckoo's Nest. Come on now. Um, uh, like 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 a refrigerator or something. Oh yeah, there's a book too. Uh, it came out after the movie. I think I think. Anyway, whatever. He threw. Anyway, I literally thought I was going to be like have nurse ratchet. But then what actually happened? So I don't know. I went into the hospital and they pumped me full of drugs and I blacked that out too. And how long were you there? Three weeks. Damn. And then when you got out, you were just continued drugs? Yes. Um, I had to move back to St. Louis and like live in my parents' basement a la Nikki circa 2020 COVID. And I lived there for, I don't know how long. That was April of... April of whenever it's okay yeah Yeah. um and I lived there for a bit and then meanwhile I like wanted to move out to Colorado my brother lived in Boulder and I wanted to be near Jay and so I like told my parents this is my plan and I'm sure they were I mean my parents have my whole life been so good at like uh 
giving me space to make decisions for better or worse. I mean, like looking back on it, they must have just been so terrified. Like our daughter was just, you know, went to a hospital. Out of her mind. Literally out of her mind. And now she's deciding she wants to go live off on her own. But I'm sure like having my brother nearby made them more comfortable. Poor Jay. And you had to at least at some point you weren't going to stay there forever. That's almost a a form of insult institutionalization um that's how i feel right now it's like being at home it's like at what point is this like the way it is like yeah you can stay here and treat it like rehab for a couple months but you baby bird needs to fly yeah i just am sure it must have been scary for my parents you know i can now look back and i'm like wow that was really brave of them to be able to let go and let me do that and they like anyway so i drove out to colorado and i went to grad school there and um uh I can't remember if it was before I left or when I was in Boulder that I decided, like, I want to wean off of these meds. Oh, it was after. So all of grad school, I think, I was, like, on medication. And then I moved back to St. Louis for, like, two years and decided... um, You did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, with my sister. You lived with my sister. Yeah, I lived with Lauren. Yeah. Um, And Whitney. Hey, Whitney. And I just decided I, like... So how long have you been without meds now? Um, since then, that was like 2000. Oh my gosh. Time is so, it doesn't matter. So a couple of years, like, like a decade. Probably. Wow. Without, me- without any bipolar meds. I don't know. I'm going to think. Have you had any like flare ups? Yeah, yeah. I've been hospitalized now three times. Um, and, but I quit drinking a year ago at this point, like a year ago now. And I feel like honestly, right now in my life, I'm like more solid than I've ever been. I feel like I've had to learn a lot of tools and, figure out uh how to treat it without meds but like that you could treat it and i mean i so or create the environment in which it will not flare up as much right and i i mean i have been solid now for so long and here's the thing like i owe my life to the to medication like i i needed that i don't condone going off of your meds i worked with a doctor and um it has its place. It literally medication saved my life. I wouldn't have been here. I like. Yeah. So if you're listening, don't go off your meds. And I know a lot of people like scold me when I talk about going off my meds. They're like, don't tell people to go off their meds. And I'm like, well, that's what's been working for me. And I reserve the right to go back on them because they've saved me so many times and I'll probably need them again. Exactly. So, but I decided I wanted to go off because I've, this is something that um, I've had to balance is like, what is my personality? What is bipolar? And what is yes. my personality on drugs or with bipolar? You know, like, yes, it's just like this balancing thing and having to figure out like, is this okay? Is this too much? And having to know when to rein it in. And so um, I weaned off with my doctor and I was already on like next to nothing. And then what's pill is next to nothing. I was on like, uh, I was just saying it like it was a pill and oh. next after a doctor about next to nothing. It's yeah. for bipolar. Nothing of um, Abilify, next to nothing, <laughs> the next to nothing. Um, so, uh, uh, well, now, like, red flags for you when you're like, uh-oh, something's coming. Have you had any of those where you're like, ooh? Yeah, my life right now. Like, I feel really solid, but I'm having to monitor, like, okay, is this what I'm, is this what I want to do and is this safe or am I going crazy? So what I'm doing right now, um, I was teaching, I taught preschool for 13 years and I loved it and I loved working with kids. But it's so much external output and I feel like I needed I needed to take some time and do some self-care. So I quit teaching and meanwhile was talking to my husband 
and we both decided that we hate Colorado and snow and cold. Well, we don't hate Colorado. We hate snow and cold. And we wanted to leave Colorado. And the thing that was holding me there was my job. So I was like, you know what? Okay, I've got to, I want to quit teaching. I, don't, I can't do this right now. So quit my job. And we sold our house. And we everything we own, we sold except things that can fit in. Yeah, this sounds like a bipolar episode. <laughs> I know. But you've been with me. Do I seem manic no not at all so that's the thing I, like we sold everything we are gonna live out of our rv and like travel around and but i've had to ask myself oh my gosh am i crazy or is this me and i'm not worried about it it's more at this point like i feel so solid in myself it's more are people going to think i'm crazy right. but i think that's the good thing now i know if someone confronted me i could honestly say no i'm really good yeah. so that's a good point yeah like yeah. i feel the same way like if i lose wait ever I'm always worried that oh my god everyone thinks I'm anorexic again uh, uh, that I'm gonna die and that they're gonna fucking freak out and I'm gonna be committed to a place and they're gonna call my parents and my life's gonna blow up so like anything any little tiptoe you go in the direction of the thing that once made everyone so worried you're like no no it's not that but also constantly questioning things like oh am I losing weight because I'm I'm anorexic again or am I losing weight because I'm stressed out like right. and being so paranoid or, of that always or am I losing weight because I'm doing it in a healthy way and I'm being mindful, you know, right. like I feel like it's actually good to be able to now ask myself those questions and be able to think like, oh, I, it's good to have like a home base, you know, and to be able to like have a touchstone of like, oh, that's when I'm crazy. You also have a husband that can like kind of if he's into selling everything and getting an RV and cr going across the world, like either you got lucky and found someone that has your same form of bipolar like is also bipolar which obviously two people with bipolar can find each other but you have something to check it against this isn't like you have someone else signed on to this decision yeah and um whereas when i make a move i'm like this is all me i like i would love a husband to co-sign yeah. things i see what you're saying yeah i see what you're saying yeah um where you can like bounce the idea off of him like am i okay someone's just there being like like they would be the first person if there was a red flag to notice it when you're just a single woman your friends have to intervene which your friends don't feel close enough to you to do sometimes your family doesn't see you enough so like you're being regular someone the first person usually to spot this stuff is like a spouse if you have one I feel really lucky in that and I'm curious if this is true for you but I feel really lucky in that I've always known I've always known like oh I'm losing it right now. I knew from the very first time, I was like, this isn't normal, but I'm terrified to spend the rest of my life like locked up. Oh, right. You know, did you? Did you? Uh, I, I see, I agree with you and I know that when I'm losing it, but sometimes with my depression, more than like my eating, my eating disorder, I'm like, I don't want to die from starving. Like that's never something that I'll ever want to do again, which is how I felt back then. It was like, oh, that's just how I'm going to die. So I don't think that like that I don't get worried about. But like my depression, it, when I get into it, I get scared because I tend to have the almost bipolar thoughts of like, this is right. Everyone else is wrong. The And anytime I've ever felt good about myself, I was fucking lying to myself and living a little fantasy. And this is the cold hard truth, Nikki. And this is what you should. And you... Like, you feel like you're smarter than everyone when you feel really depressed. So that's where I, like, I try to talk about it a lot because I want people to be, like, to interrupt that, like, process, processes of thinking, like, that just goes to, like, you're right. It's really interesting to think, like, no one knows what they're doing. No one. I feel like there's, I always feel like there's someone out there that's going to be able to say to me, oh, do this. Like, someone else has. My therapist I do trust in that way. And it's nice to have someone that you're like, okay, I'm going to be completely honest with you. You tell me if I'm a bad person when I did this. And I really do trust her to be like, 
that was bad. Like I, and I'm glad to have that. I'm so lucky to have a good therapist right now. Do you have a good therapist? Yes. Um, I definitely do. But I also think, yes, you have to bounce those ideas off that person. But like, I guess what I'm learning is to trust myself and that, okay, I also can be that person for myself. Like I do know what's best for me. I know when I'm losing it and I feel, I don't know. Yeah, that's so good. I rarely trust myself. And I feel like that's the next step is like just trusting myself and not always having to look for validation or get comfort from others that I'm okay or like, and just being like, if I'm not okay, then that's okay. Cause that's just what it is. And who cares? Yeah. And I mean, I'm wor- like, I'm working on that. It's not easy. That's so hard. And maybe that's like being human and I'll always work on that. I know. It's just, um, this was quite a journey and I feel like we came full circle. Um, you're amazing. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. Um, with all the people listening. Thank you. I like that I had to put the cam- the microphone next to your mouth so you would thank me. So please, right now, tell me how grateful you are to be able to share this with all these people. And I'm so grateful. Oh, am I supposed to say jackpot? No, I was kidding. I was kidding. I was I was doing what I was like. Just like be like being totally humble. Like it's great to have my friend Laura here, and I don't ask her to say thank you or anything like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my God, you didn't need to do that, even though I put the <laughs> fucking microphone in your face. Um, thanks, seriously, uh, Hala. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that so many people are gonna relate, and um, it, you answered a lot of questions that I didn't even know about you. So it was really fun. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the pod. Uh, say it with me now. Squirt, squirt, jackpot. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 